So welcome to Walking with Wealth Manager. Today we're at Newlands Corner, which is in the North Downs in Surrey, near Guildford. And I'm here with Lewis Coke from Charles Stanley. Hi. And Lewis is a Senior Investment Manager in the Guildford office. Uh, and today, so we're going to be just walking pretty much in a straight direction away from the car park at the top of the hill. Uh, not meant to be raining, but it's uh, holding off at the moment. A little bit grey and overcast. Um, but for today's podcast, we're going to be finding out, I want to find out the kind of the who, the what, the where, the how and the why. So I'm going to be asking Lewis a few questions. Um, but I thought, uh, Lewis, just to start with, why we have come here for a walk, because this is your local area. It is, yeah. So Newlands Corner is, is on my way to, to the Guildford office. Um, and it's, it's just a, such a beautiful place. So the view here is, is really nice. Uh, on a warm summer's day, it's even better. <laughs> um, but there's just plenty to... It, it just kind of exemplifies that this is a, a beautiful area. Um, and Newlands Corner is, is just so well known. You know, we, we have biking routes that go through here, walking routes. Um, it's, it's a fantastic place. What I would like to know is how you got to where you are today. Okay, well, so my uh, sort of fascination with investments goes back to before my working life um, and more to when I was a, a teenager. I was just fascinated by, by the stock market mm-hmm. and, and just companies in general. What, what made them, you know, the companies like Microsoft and so on, what made them as big as they are and as, as good or not as they are? And conversely, when they fail, so sort of Marconi style, yeah. what leads to that? How can you have all these layers of management and you know, all kinds of um, auditors and accountants and lawyers and all that sort of stuff, and yet businesses still fail? So throughout my sort of latter school and college years, um, I took a bit of an interest in it. And then when I left Sixth Form College, mm-hmm. um, I had a brief stint at the Daily Mail uh, print operations as an as a apprentice uh, print manager. A bit more on the city side. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. Well, that was only for a few months. Um, and then what I, I did was I went on the Stock Exchange website. And I don't know if they still do it, but they used to at that time publish a list of member firms. Yeah. So I went down the list and wrote off to all of them um, with CVs and, and saying, this is what I'd like to do and all the rest of it. Uh, and one of the first to reply was Charles Stanley. So they said, well, we've got, um, potentially we've got a position as a valuations clerk, which was basically... Um, maintaining price feeds and looking up old values and working out capital gains tax and things like that would you be interested in coming for an interview so i said absolutely yeah i'd love to please yeah so that's that's what i wanted was a sort of a foot in the door yeah and then i was offered a a job in the dealer room as as what they call blue button which is basically a trainee yeah so i did that for uh for some time um and whilst i was there i did uh, lots of exams as you have to do but one of them was the masters in wealth management by the cisi um, and when I passed that, which was in 2010, mm-hmm. early 2010, um, that had really kind of given me a bit of a steer as to what I liked, what I didn't, what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was rather than executing orders, I wanted to actually be the decision maker. So rather than just buying BP or Glaxo or whatever, I wanted to construct the portfolios yeah. um, for, for private clients. So. Then, but the way I wanted to do that was via this intermediary channel. So my view is that people don't tend to come 
directly to, as we were then, a stockbroking firm, they tend to go to your IFA or solicitor accountant and ask for a referral. And the Guildford office are very good at that type of business. So I went down to Guildford. I mean, I'd never been to Guildford before, before I got that job. Okay. Um, so I didn't know anybody, didn't know how it all worked. So the first year was quite tough because that was being a sort of broker's assistant in the day. And then first thing in the morning and, and late in the evening, I would do all the networking to build my contacts up. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, fast forward seven years. Here we are. Uh, we're here, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad place, I think. Looking around us at the beautiful rolling hills. Yeah. Very green. It is. It's a good quality of life. But it, quite, oh, sorry. It, I was say, it's, it's a lovely place to work, it really is. So having done London and sort of out in the sticks, Guildford's not too far, but, um, but it's green enough. There is definitely a quality of life argument. Yeah, there's still ample opportunity to, to build a business, um, certainly in the private client sort of investment mm. management world. Um, but it's lovely. So you get to drive into work. You get this as, as your, as your view. Doorstep. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, so we're just walking along. There's a few people walking their dogs ahead of us. But I'm just quite interested. So you, you finished college and then uh, straight into the working world. Yes. But we were at that time, were all your friends heading off to uni or they were. what was that like? You kind of um, doing the nine to five, probably a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they was, were off yeah. having hol- summer holidays and living was, a bit of a different life. It was a bit different, I must admit. It's, there was a lot, of, a lot of, not so much pressure, but you know, the college would say, well, you know, you've got to go to uni and you've got to do this, that and the other. Um, but by that point, it's a bit of an odd thing because I, I love learning. But I just had enough of it in a full-time capacity. I just, the, the thought of an extra three or four years, uh, and this was when tuition fees were, were just coming in, so yeah. then there would have been a bit of cost associated with it. So I thought, oh, I'm really just not sure if that's, if I'm going to learn the most in that environment. Uh, I really like the idea of learning on the job. So I had this idea that I'll take, in effect, a gap year uh-huh. and get what job I can. Um, and see where it goes. If, if it's the, the fact that I can get some traction, get a career, then I'll stick with it. Mm-hmm. If not, after a year, fine. I'll go to uni yeah. and study whatever, you know. But, um, but as it happened, it was a very good chance that, uh, that I got given by, by Charles Stanley. Um, and a very good time as well, yeah. That's, yeah. At, at that time, that, that was really the no, end in of a, the... In a couple of years' time, yeah, 2008 was That's it, so looming. if I'd have come out of uni in 2008, no chance absolutely no chance would I have been given the yeah, same which I opportunity. Guess is, that would have been the year probably most of your peer group yeah, graduated. It. Yeah, and I, I remember a very good friend of mine went to university, had an economics degree, absolutely you know, knew the textbook inside and out, and he ended up working in, uh, in Curry's <laughs> because there was literally nothing. It doesn't matter who you, who you go to, the kind of big tier banks or the smaller investment firms or the hedge funds or whatever, there was just way too many applicants. Yeah. So would you would you recommend to kind of younger generation of students coming up now to think about other options apart from uni? I would, yeah. I mean, that door is, is arguably closing um, because I think a lot of firms, it's on the entry requirements as you've got to have a degree and that's it. Uh, yeah. Which in some ways I think is a bit misguided, actually. Yeah, I think it's become a very well-trodden path. Yeah, and it's... I don't know, I, I just think that just because you've got a degree there's no kind of yeah fine you've learned to a very high level but you can do that on the job 
And if you get someone who's very hungry and ambitious, they don't need to have gone to uni. You can mould them into whatever you want them to be. Mm. Certainly with things like economics. So, you know, you can argue and argue, but modern portfolio theory, the old sort of view of economics, well, funny enough, some of my friends said to me, well, I've been told the world works in this way, but actually when I come to work, it's a lot of rubbish. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And modern portfolio theory, well, that worked spectacularly well in 2008, didn't it? So it's not... So the world changes. Mm. So if you take people on, the right people, you can mould them. And there's a lot to be said for that, I think. Yeah. That actually brings us on to my why question, which is why do you think investment management is a good career option for some of the younger generation coming through? Um, Well, first of all, because it's very fast-changing. So some of that is regulatory-driven, some of that is just market forces. Um, demographics is a massive, will have a massive impact. You know, you've got the sort of baby boomers and, and the generation behind them. Then you've got the whole millennial generation, mm. so our generation, and how they save for retirement. These are huge challenges. And no one really has got the answer to the millennials bit. But when the answer is found, there will be huge opportunity there. Um, but aside from that, I, I think it's so varied. That's the thing. So certainly on the private client side, you get to meet people, yeah. which is, is fascinating. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a background. Everyone has a different view. So it constantly, you constantly question what you're doing and question your thinking because you go to two meetings and have two completely different clients with, with different views of the world and so on. Um, and you can get involved in so many different things. It's not just economics and, you know, is this company worth a pound or 80 pence? It's, it's more than that, certainly at a, at a private client level. Yeah. yeah there's, there's the whole the business development side, the marketing side. Uh, there's as many areas as you want to get involved in. So I would highly recommend it. Do you think young people are aware enough that wealth management and investment management is a good opportunity for them as a future career? I think there's, yeah, there's awareness of it. But I think it gets lumped in with banking and the sort of very high-end, you know, um, investment banking type stuff, which has become a bit of a dirty word over the last several years. So I think, yeah, people are aware, but it's just discounted. They don't fully understand what you do. And certainly on my side, we're on more of the bespoke portfolios rather than the sort of models or institutional side. Um, yeah, I don't think people fully understand what, why um, why people use us. Uh, nearly went for it, eh? <laughs> A little slip. It's a little yeah. slip. It's a bit damp today. Hello, doggies. Whatever it is you're trying to I should go ahead. Maybe. Um, yeah, because I... I yeah, well, I suppose it, it has changed a lot, but um, I wonder sometimes if... It, some of the young generation might have and still believe the sort of kind of very traditional stockbroking possibly slightly old boys stereotype that yeah, it might yeah. have yeah, I don't I know if that's off-putting but I know actually in reality it's a really dynamic industry well, it, it is it is and and funny enough so one of the things that concerned me when I first got into it was that I don't know anyone so I didn't go to a sort of private school um, I don't have any contacts, you know, with whatever, FTSE 100 chief execs or whatever it may be. I don't have any of that. So I did think, oh, am I going to be sort of allowed in the club sort of thing? But actually, it's nothing is further th- from the truth, um, certainly for, for Charles Stanley. But 
I would imagine for a lot of firms, that is, just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, it still has that. I think the image of that takes a long time to fade, but the reality is, is different, yeah. Just avoiding some nettles. You've probably worked with some very interesting people throughout your time in wealth management, but I'd like to know who has been the most inspiring person or the most influential person in your career so far? Um, well, inspiring and influential. There's certainly been some internal uh, people in, in terms of work-wise. So lots of, for example, my dealing director um, was very very knowledgeable man um, and was able to to just inspire trust in, in people, which I, th I found absolutely fascinating. And he had a very, very loyal team. So I learned a lot from that. Um, but actually, I think in terms of inspiration, what drives you forward, certainly this year, so my wife and I had a little boy on the 1st of January. Um, and I think he probably inspires me more yeah. than anything else because it really, you then start thinking about rather than just sort of going along, doing your career and whatnot, you, you really think, okay, where am I going to be? Where am I going? What am I doing? So for the what, I'd like to know, what has been the best lesson you've learned, whether that's in work, out of work? Uh, um, what have you, what have you learned from? What was all mistake have you made that's taught you well, a life lesson? So mistakes. I mean, mistakes happen even to investment managers. You know, we don't get it right all the time, and you've got to learn a lot from them. And I think the biggest lesson that I've learned over the years has been to hold your nerve. So if you buy a fund or share or whatever it may be for solid investment reasons you hold your nerve if, if you know you see headlines or something happens in the world or the market starts to turn down and so on if your investment rationale is still right and you still believe that that is long term that's the best thing to do you stick at it you don't bail and that a couple of times certainly in the earlier um, years that was quite difficult when we had sort of Europe was going to implode and Greece was going to go bust and all the rest of it. It's all too easy to wobble uh, and then change change course. Mm. But you you mustn't do that if, if circumstances are right. Uh, so that's probably my biggest biggest lesson is there are times when you've got to admit you're wrong and change tact and move on. But there is actually yeah. a lot of time when you're just going to hold firm. Yeah. Has there been, you can be honest, has there been a particular stock that you remember or a particular... Maybe a fund that you're holding that yeah. you have to just put your hands up and say, actually. Well, there, there's been a couple. I mean, so in terms of FTSE 100 um, holdings, BHP Billiton has, has been a bit of a rocky road. Um, so that's tested our, our patience and, and nerve on, on several occasions. Uh, there's a, a pharmaceutical stock in, uh, yeah. in the FTSE 100, which has, has had a pretty rough time of it over the last sort of six months to yeah. a year uh, again that's that's pretty pretty difficult to deal with um, so yeah there, there have been a few I mean we're we're very fortunate in that we have a lot of people with a lot of experience and background so it doesn't happen very often but yeah you can't get it right all the time yeah it's the typical there kind of this is quite a very typical British walk probably we've got umbrellas in case it <laughs> rains a coffee to keep us warm <laughs> And be prepared for everything. Grappling with coats and the microphones, but <laughs> it's all going to be fine. There's lots of talk at the moment uh, about driverless cars. Hmm. I say that as two cars have just <laughs> gone past us. Um, and everyone thinks this is the next big thing, but do you think we're going to get them and when do you think 
we're going to get them? Um, I think before driverless cars, I think we've got driverless trucks and lorries. Okay. So certainly uh, Ford have done quite a bit in the US, as of other manufacturers, but Ford of, of note. And the, what the future as they see it is that you would have, say your, your standard kind of big lorry, rather than going from depot to depot, mm. the autonomous bit, the driverless bit, would be on the motorway. So a, a driver drives it to the equivalent of a motorway services. Um, the truck then drives itself, you know, however many hours and hundreds of miles to services at the other end, and then someone picks it up and, and drops it off at the depot. That, I think, is entirely doable in, say, the next 10 years. The technology, I think, is less than 10 years away. But for the, the health and safety <laughs> and the, the regulatory aspect and so on, and insurance as well, who's, who's responsible for the insurance? Is it the manufacturer? Is it the owner? There is no driver. So yeah. it's, it's, that, I think, could be a bit complicated. But yeah, a decade or so. Is, is realistic. Yeah, I have to say that we have been very lucky looking at the weather forecast yesterday. <laughs> there was a brief window between 9 and 10, which is when we were walking, of no rain, and we have been lucky enough so far to have that. <laughs> so clouds look like they might be slightly clearing, a tiny few spots of rain. But so the, the, you set up the Guildford Professional Forum. Yes, I did. That's right. Yeah. Could you tell so, me a bit more about it? Yeah, so what I, I noticed, this was back in 2013, 14. What I noticed was that of all of the professional services firms in, in and around Guildford, the sort of partners and senior partners at that level, they all knew each other. Um, but actually the guys below that, so me and, and my sort of peers, we didn't know who each other were. And the reason for that was because we tend to be at our desks a bit more, dare I say it. Yep. Um, we don't really go out and do long lunches and networking. <laughs> That's just not really the done thing when you've got targets and billing and... You know, you're trying to juggle lots of things, it's just you don't get the chance to do that. So I thought, well, what I'll do is I contacted a lot of the, the sort of partner level people and said, actually, I want a forum for the younger guys. So that then was kind of disseminated down through the, the ranks of their firms. And then we used to have uh, once a month, uh, just literally used to go to the pub and just have quite a good you know, chat and whatnot. It was quite good fun. Uh, and then we changed it to a quarterly slightly more formal um, structure where we would have say one or two of the firms giving an update on whatever you know, yeah tax or whatever it may be uh, and then networking drinks afterwards uh, and it sort of grew from there so it started off there were six of us mm -hmm. uh, in all bar one in Guildford I remember <laughs> it quite clearly on a on a Friday night um, and it ended up on the mailing list there's about 120 people oh great and we tend to get about 30 40 or so um, at most, uh, at most events. Yeah, um, that's great. So, yeah, so that's, that's quite good. And what I, what I also do, or just started, is what I kind of loosely call the DFM Dinner Club. Oh, that and sounds what, fun. Well, and the, the principle is basically the same, but just for DFMs. So uh -huh. it's, yeah, me and my peers, we have dinner loosely once a quarter-ish, depends on diaries. Yeah. Um, and really just compare notes. You know, it's, it's quite a small world. We're all going through the same kind of structural regulatory changes. Um, and it's just quite, it's quite, not, yeah, I was going to say comforting, but I don't think that's the right word. But it's quite good just to talk to your, your peers. I think investment management is, understandably, some of it is quite guarded where, you know, firms don't want other firms to know what they're up to and all that sort of stuff, which is fine. But I think yeah. there is room for general conversation. And certainly yeah, amongst so the younger guys. I think there's sort of levels of competition. There's a lot to be 
said that you can learn off each other as opposed to yeah and it's it's not you know you're not swapping trade secrets or anything but if you've got a guy at I don't know whose name should I take in vain Rathbones or something that's doing the same job as me it's just generally a a kind of a chatting point to say look you know you are in a lot of what I noticed was a lot of other industries are very good at this so they have kind of informal peer network yeah and it is quite useful um, and it also gives you a bit of context what are we doing versus what everyone else is doing and certainly on the regulatory side you are all facing the same things this hill's steep isn't it? yeah <laughs> working the way. hello dog hello. you got tennis ball oh wow there you go oh sorry that wasn't very far <laughs> <laughs> oh all these people just arriving to kind of walk and they're going straight into the visitor centre to shelter oh nice summer walk I know typical British yeah. weather but it was good yeah thank you very much pleasure no problem at all for coming on a walk with me today great to hear a bit more about what you do at Charles Stanley my pleasure no problem at all